Hello and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline from thewellnesstrinity.com, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. Today, we are going to discuss women's health on our women's health series, Hidden Causes of Infertility and Miscarriage with Dr. Alan Lindsley, BSME from lindsleychiropractic.com. Stay tuned in because it will soon be redone as Midwest Natural Healing Center.com by December of this year. So just a little disclaimer before we get started. What we discuss in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What you do with the information is to be used at your discretion as the recommendations are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode was brought to you by Cellcore Biosciences. Creating solutions that work is what they do and restoring hope and health is who they are. Are you having a hard time conceiving? Are you concerned about raising healthy children? Would you like to age gracefully? These are all concerns that many women have. And in order to have healthy pregnancies and children and age gracefully with youthful skin, vibrant wellness, and incredible joints, we need to thoroughly cleanse the body in this day and age. Because there are more than 85,000 chemicals that are just plaguing the earth. And these chemicals cause a whole slew of problems. And a lot of it is related to the backup in the liver that causes diminished hormone production. Cellcore Biosciences protocol systematically removes layers of infections and toxins, thus fully cleansing the body. It gets you back to homeostasis where your body is happiest and healthiest when done correctly. I am happy to be on this protocol and I'm actually waiting to get pregnant because I want myself and my husband to be thoroughly cleansed before I even think of having a baby. And I don't fear growing old and falling apart because I know that if my body is at homeostasis, it's going to be just fine. I was told I look 10 years younger in my new headshot, so this stuff works. To learn more about the Cell Core Protocol, go to thewellnesstrinity.com slash Detox. I met Dr. Lindsley through Cellcore Biosciences. He was a fabulous formulator of some of our wonderful products here. And we're going to dive into that later, but in the reason why he created them. Um, but once I met this guy and, and we just, we had a few chats, I knew that the, this guy, there's something about this guy that's really special. And obviously everyone I bring on this podcast is special, but I'm excited to share what he has to, uh, to bring to you in terms of how fertility relates to or infertility is related to certain root causes that we're finding clinically and even in the lab. So Dr. Alan Lindsay was raised in a rural, rural Wisconsin on a small dairy farm. He attended University of Minnesota Institute of Technology where he received his degree in mechanical engineering. He worked for several years as an engineer before his father died in a farm accident. He rededicated his life to helping people receive a better form of healthcare. He graduated in 2004 from Parker College of Chiropractic with an emphasis in applied kinesiology. Returning to Wisconsin in 2007, Dr. Lindsley noticed an epidemic in this area of chronic fatigue and joint pain. He realized that most everyone of these patients suffered from Lyme disease and were considered chronic cases after using antibiotics. He began to develop individual herbal products to treat all forms of Lyme disease and co-infections. 
Along with Lyme disease, Dr. Lindsley began to research glyphosate and its effect on um, and its effect on infants, children, and adults in collagen, neurological, and mitochondrial dysfunction. Dr. Lindsley helps develop products and lectures with Cellcore Biosciences in Boise, Idaho. He currently has a, a very active practice that specializes in Lyme disease, mitochondrial dysfunction, and glyphosate removal. Dr. Lindsley, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Jacqueline. Good to be here. So, you know, before we got on this show today, I noticed that we both came from a, a you know similar background in why we we entered this field. Um, your father's passing, unfortunately, led you, and I don't know if I should say unfortunately led you. It was unfortunate for for what happened to him, um, but that gave you this purpose in wanting to help other people live life to the fullest and, and get to the root causes. And and it was the same for me. Um, my father's uh, death date was actually just a few days ago. And it just, you know, every time that happens, it just brings up emotion of um, like, why did that have to happen? And, and I'm always reminded that this is why I do this. This is why I get on these podcasts every day, every week. And this is why I reach out to doctors yeah. like you, because we want to get this knowledge out there. So you want to expand a little first on, on, um, you know, what happened to him? So, uh, I'd, I'd watched my dad for about five years, just slowly losing his, his cognitive abilities and, and fatigue all the time. And, and um, my, my mom would say, he can't fix his equipment anymore. He can't finish a day's work anymore. He's taking naps all the time. And then I began to say, I come home on the weekends. I was engineering. I come home to the farm. And then I began to see that exactly what she was seeing. And one morning he uh, said, well, I'll be in a little bit. And he was working on a piece of equipment and he never came in. And she went back out and found him and he'd been, been crushed by the equipment. And uh, the frustrating part is he'd been back to the doctors over and over again in the medical Western model, as I call it. And he was on nine medications for all of these different things. And they, they blamed it on his heart. He'd had a heart attack years before. But that wasn't the problem. And, and looking back now, after treating hundreds of farmers in the area up here and, and people from Wisconsin all over the United States, I realize now it was partly chronic Lyme because we we were in the woods all the time. Wisconsin's very woodsy and, and we were uh, <clears throat> exposed to tick bites all the time and, and mosquitoes. And, and then, of course, the, the chemicals from the farm. And we've been spraying glyphosate for years at that time. And and all of this added up to basically mitochondrial dysfunction him. And, and that's you know, he, he was not able to make clear decisions anymore. And he, he incorrectly jacked it up that morning and, and we lost him. So, mm -hmm. and that changed the complete direction of my life at that time. So I rededicated my life. I was engineering and I just had lost after about three or four months after his death, I, I said, I'm in the wrong field. And I, I, so I wanted to make a commitment to come back home and actually give people options that they didn't have right now in the field. And the funny, not the funny part, but it's, you want to call it serendipitous. I, I actually look out for my clinic. I actually built a clinic on the old farm now. I work out of a huge barn here, brand new big barn. And I, I look out to exactly where he was, um, where the accident happened. And I didn't do it intentionally. It was completely unintentional, but such a reminder on a daily basis of what happened and, and how it changed. And it's been 21 years now since that the accident. And here I am 15 years into the field. So it's, it's a really neat feeling to actually be where it happened, but to come full circle. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that the people that are listening to this right now, you might be going through some type of really feels like an awful trial, especially 2020 has just brought up a lot of weeds, I think. And I, I think from these incidences, I mean, my father died of cancer and I was only nine years old. 
and my mom and dad had a really amazing relationship and I had two younger uh, sisters, a sister and a brother, and we were without a father going out our, 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 you know, all our lives. So that led me down a path and many reasons why I was not healthy mentally and spiritually growing up, not having a dad around, um, you know, which also probably was tied to some physical health issues I had later on too. So um, anyways, I, I think that remembering why we have our purposes is huge and just when you're going through a trial, just know that there's a reason. And on the other side of it, that um, once you have the victory through that, you can be, you can really help a lot of people like Dr. Alan Lindsay is doing. I mean, you see thousands of patients every year, huh? Yeah, I'm up to, um, <clears throat> I think the last time I, I had checked in the numbers, about 75,000 patient visits since I started doing this. So, wow. yeah, 4,500 to 5,000 a year is about what we do. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, Let's transition a little. You, um, I mean, I know you see all kinds of patients, but I wanted to bring you specifically on this Women's Health podcast series because I was listening to some of those eco workshops again, and and then it hit me. How come I don't have Dr. Ellen Lindsay talking about how glyphosate affects people's pregnancy on here? And this would not be complete if I didn't bring you on. So why don't you go ahead and just dive in? What, what are hidden causes of why people have a hard time conceiving? Um, that's interesting because that, well, I think one of the biggest thing is the hidden chemical load in our body today. And I, I always joke about with my patients saying, you know, if we can go back to 1950, it was just you. And it, you, it wasn't the chemical load. It wasn't the herbicide, the pesticide, the fungicide. It wasn't the plastics out there. And it was very by yourself. So one of the biggest things I see in my clinic is a huge chemical load disrupting not only the actual pregnancy or the, the, actual conception part, but actually holding that pregnancy. And, and just to, to, I used to come from a dairy farm, so I'll talk about you know the, the animal world and the human world. Um, right now, after I talk to a lot of my female patients, they'll come in and, and their doctors in the Western medical model are saying it's taking three or four miscarriages sometime before you actually have a, a pregnancy that actually holds through the whole, through, you know, through all three, three terms. And that's, that's crazy. In 1950, um, just as an agricultural side, on the dairy farming side, it was 1.2 visits from the bull, as they used to say, and now it's up to five before the pregnancy actually holds in a, in a cow. And, and, and so I'm correlating the agricultural side to the human side. It's very much the same way. A lot of women will have a spontaneous you know, a, a, a disruption of, that, of the actual pregnancy and, and lose the pregnancy in once anywhere from, from weeks four to eight and they'll think it's a heavy cycle and it's actually a, a loss of a pregnancy. So they may not even know they missed their, their you know, that, especially if it's around week four. And I've seen that really commonly. The, one of the biggest disruptors that we see up here is, is the glyphosates. How did you figure out it was the glyphosate? Um, after talking to Dr. Don Huber, he's probably the most knowledgeable guy in the world that never worked for a chemical company. He's a plant pathologist, but he studied this for years. I was studying his seminars and I actually met and talked to him out there in Boise last summer. And we were talking about pregnancies in the animal world and his experiences. And then he was saying how he worked with an Amish community where for 18 months they had no pregnancies, not a single pregnancy that, that the children being born. And they were very concerned. So they started doing some testing on the, and the men and the women, and they did some urinalysis and found they had high glyphosates. So they started to, work with this Amish community using the, the HMET product that Cellcore carries. And after the third month, 
the pregnancies started to to take hold and in, in about 12 to 14 months they started having all kinds of children again but it was about day 30 after using the product that they started seeing the glyphosate level decline in the urine to the point where it was undetectable and then all of a sudden and so then he correlated that to me like wow it seemed to be a huge thing that it was disrupting the actual pregnancies or even to be even the conception at that time so the HMET that Cellcor carries, that's the exact product that the Amish community was using? Yeah, so HM stands for heavy metal and the ET part stands for environmental toxins, but that was formulated by, by our chief scientist, Dr. Jeff from Cellcor. And what it actually does is it takes a glyphosate molecule and tends to bind to it and break it apart. And in doing that, it's able to pass through the urine. So when you can decrease that load, now just that the glyphosate molecule alone disrupts about 293 different enzymes in the body. So it downregulates about 293 enzymes. It upregulates about 30 different enzymes. So that alone, when you have these enzyme dysfunctions happening and you're trying to make all the estrogens, progesterones to hold that pregnancy, it just a, it's a huge hormone disruptor. And that being said, if you can re remove that glyphosate load out of the body and free those minerals back up, remember what does glyphosate do, Dr. Jacqueline? It's a chelator. So in the body, it binds to any positive mineral. So it'll bind to calcium, magnesium, zinc, copper, I believe boron, manganese. And these are some key minerals that actually are needed for pregnancy. So if I disrupt the enzymes by disrupting the actual mineral levels available, I disrupt the hormones, and then we start seeing huge mm -hmm. problems in the, in the pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people, when they think that they're off, they think, <clears throat> well, maybe I got to just fix my hormones. But what you're doing and what a lot of the people that we work with at Cellcore are doing are really just trying to get even deeper. What, the question is, why are the hormones off to begin with? Right. right? When, yeah, we had lost uh, several um, pregnancies and not knowing about Cellcore at the time, um, actually had to use some progesterone with the first uh, you know, 14 weeks, 16 weeks of the pregnancy because we, we couldn't hold a pregnancy. And after learning all this now, looking how the progesterone pathway works and what minerals are in there, and realizing all this, it wasn't a progesterone deficiency by definition. It was the inability to create the progesterone after the pregnancy had taken place, after the conception had taken place. So I've experienced this myself, and we actually lost a baby at 20 weeks, mm. which I don't know if was still hormonal, but it, it seems to definitely be related to, there's a, a lot more pregnancies from that eight week to 20 week period where it's, I mean, 20 weeks is almost a viable pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And to see a little child in your hands fully formed, uh, for, uh, you know, one minute, uh, one day, you can feel that kicking in mommy's tummy the next day, uh, it's no longer there. It's really hard, not only on the, the it's myself, but really hard on, on mom. So mm -hmm. that being said, if we can reduce this chemical load before we even think about becoming pregnant, that's a huge, huge thing that no one's talking about right now. Oh yeah. Well, and uh, actually, that's the reason why I did this this podcast series is because I I had actually did um, a couple different workshops where um, with a girl I was that's very into children and and having natural pregnancies and all that. It wasn't really my thing before because I, I'm not at that point in my life was at that point at least where I was thinking of having children, I was thinking of having children, but you know, down the road. <laughs> right. So at that point, a couple of years ago, I was just like, nah, children, I don't know. I don't, why am I, why do I need to think about this other than uh, I'm helping people try to get healthy here? 
which is obviously a big deal. So I decided to partner with her and do these workshops. And then it hit me. I was like, wait, all the challenges from not being able to conceive to um, losing a baby um, while you're pregnant or uh, the, a lot of the stuff that happens after where these people are having all this, these postpartum issues. If right. we just clean out the woman and the man, it takes two Both. to go. Let's not forget Both. that. <laughs> the man usually does not th- seem to think they have a part of this toxicity load or even realize that there's a toxicity load to begin with. But I, I, I you know, I always hear it from the woman. It's like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, no, it's not just you. Um, so if we, if we think about that before we get pregnant, how much better of a pregnancy is, is one, first, that they can conceive, two, that they can have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy child and not have to have crazy postpartum challenges. I mean, so yeah. that, this is why I did this series. You know, it's interesting you say that. I, I was reading an article oh, a few months back, and it said if you had a child in utero and mom was very, very clean, heavy metals were low, glyphosate was low, chemical load was low, and she ate a very, very clean diet, for, for the pregnancy, the whole, entire, the whole entire time she's carrying the child. She has the baby. You could feed it literally incorrectly the rest of its life compared to a baby in utero, mom's not clean, high toxic load, high metal load, comes out of utero and you feed it perfectly. The baby that was in utero that actually had the good nutrients and low toxic load actually would be healthier throughout the life even if you didn't have the, the high level diet that the other baby had you know, very poor quality diet in mom. And I, I thought, how's that possible? But of course, I mean, think of that, you know, sperm and egg come together, you have, and then all the divisions of the cells taking place and all the, not only the genetics, but the epigenetics taking place there. I thought that was amazing that that, that statistic that said, if baby and uterus was fed better or highest quality possible and clean, it would have a better life, almost regardless of how you fed the baby. I, I couldn't believe that, but that was an wow. article I'd read. Yeah, and well, it, just think about it. If you have an environment for the baby to grow in, that's that's healthier as well too. I mean, I would like to see that statistic. Um, you right. know, on top of having that healthy diet while the mother's pregnant. Yeah. So the the thing that you know, where I'm just want to make note again is that let's clean the environment in the body before we even plan to conceive. Obviously, you you can't always plan that. <laughs> right. But if you can, this is why I personally avoided it. This is one reason. Um, you know, I'm in my thirties now and my mom's like, Jacqueline, <laughs> she wants her grandchildren, <laughs> but I'm like, you yeah. know what, let me do my work first here. I have a plan. I have a, have a reason here. Um, yeah. so, you know, I, I just hope that after the series that people really think about that and, and pass the word along. I mean, if you're done having children, tell your friends, like, this is really important that we detox before we get pregnant. This is not just a fad diet. This is not a three-day juice fast. This is that you need to get lower that toxic burden, so you have your your child has a healthier um, outcome and, and yourself. I mean, I don't want to have postpartum craziness after. <laughs> right. Well, if you look at, I mean, if we just look at the, the basics out there, my my kids are three and five right now, and my little daughter started kindergarten this year, and we spend a lot of time on playgrounds, and it it kills me to see a six-year-old burger running around with diapers on yet that's not normal, but that's becoming the norm right now. So that's basic statistics. Last time I read it was every 15th boy today is born is uh, Asperger's or autism and every 58th girl. Now, of course, these numbers keep changing. So uh, 
when I was born, 1969, 1970, I believe it was about one in 10,000 children. So what's, what's happened? We've gone from one in 10,000 children that are showing these autistic Asperger's, ADD, ADHD, was of course less of a problem to the point where every 15th boy today, every 58th girl today, to the point where we're talking by, I mean, it was 2032, 2040, I at the article, that every other child born is gonna have these symptoms. And I hear the same thing over again, oh, we're categorizingly different, that's a bunch of baloney. And you know, the big jump was in the late 80s, it, there was a huge increase in vaccinations. I probably got three or four growing up. Now my daughter was recorded 72 different vaccinations by the time she started kindergarten, because a lot of them are coming in eight and 10 at a time and there's boosters and stuff like that. Never used to be around. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've fixed the problem with, with the thimerosal in there, but they've gone to aluminum, which is an a lot better. So what I'm saying is if we look back, what, what's, what's the future of, our, of the human race of our children? So the two biggest, biggest things I see that mom can do today is have somebody doing kinesiological testing to see, is there any form of Lyme there? Or any kind of metal load or chemical load because I, I mean, a great example, I, I was at a little little party the other day and this baby was just crying and crying. It was only about six weeks old. And I asked the mom, I said, how's, how's baby? Oh, we had a C-section, couldn't have it normally. And she cries all the time. And I listened to, I mean, that was, it took me right back to my, my little daughter being six weeks old. And, and we, unbeknownst to us, I couldn't figure out at six weeks, come down to the clinic, three o'clock in the morning. I'm like, there's something going on here. And mom had struggled with a little bit of Babesia, which is a form of Lyme. And sure enough, baby had Babesia. Mom was showing Babesia. And one of the biggest things, Dr. Jacqueline, that we see is this Lyme stuff comes right through the breast milk. Okay? Mm -hmm. And these toxins come through. And so baby's heavily affected. So you get a lot of these babies that are quote-unquote colicky or chronic criers or can't sleep for the night for weeks and weeks and months. If we can work on the mom up front and getting that glyphosate load down and getting that and really pre-treating for Lyme stuff. And I just say, if you don't have anybody you know can test you before you want to become pregnant, do a heavy metal you know, reduction of the, of the load, do simple things like NAC and other things out there or the HMET, bring that load down, but also just go through around with cleansing with the formulas we put together because that alone, I see a lot of women pregnant coming across with hemoglobins of 10, 10 and a half. I've seen seven, eight, just crazy low numbers. And that's not normal for a pregnancy. But can you imagine 14 would be a normal hemoglobin, 14 to 16, and you're down there at seven or eight or under 10, that's anemia. So here's this mom trying to get through the pregnancy. Maybe she has two or three kids at home already, struggling for oxygen, anemic, tries to go through a normal birth, completely exhausted from the blood loss of that, and then trying to breastfeed and, and this newborn, and there's, as everybody knows who has Trillin, very little sleep for the first several months, Dr. Jacqueline, just so you know that, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I first, need my sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, so my, and so it puts out, <laughs> Well, when baby wakes you up three or four times a night because it's not sleeping, and, oh, and one of the patterns of when you were, if you breastfeed and the baby cries afterwards, and you think the baby's colicky, but you know, the, one of the big problems too about a C-section birth is you know, coming through the vaginal canal, through the birth canal, all these bacteria come in for the first time and the baby swallows them in. And that's the first, the first step. And when we bypass that, they don't go through the normal birth process, that's all lost, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you start throwing the glyphosates on top of that is an even bigger problem. Now, remember, 
the reproductive organs in a child, male or female, are formed between months two and four. And when glyphosate is there, I had a little boy come the other day. They, and this is sound very bizarre. He had no testicles, and they called it uh, micropenis. And so something affected him between months, between months two and four. Now the interesting part is, is in the animal world, whether it's a, um, a dairy cow or uh, probably most commonly see it in pigs because pigs will have a batch of anywhere eight to eight to ten piglets, and you'll see them born with sexual reproductive organs missing completely. And of course, what's their diet in, the, in these in these big big uh, pig production plants? You know, where I saw all these big farms; they have thousands and thousands of pigs there. Their main diet is high soy, high corn, which is quite often our diet today. And that's the glyphosate loaded, you know, GMO type based crops coming into the animals, affecting mom, uh, affecting the, the sow and then affecting the little ones too. And it's the same way in the human pattern. Now we're starting to see kids born with reproductive parts missing. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's in mom. That's the problem in mom. It's not mom's dysfunction. It's because the chemical load is there. So that's how important it is to begin to really, if you're planning on getting pregnant, I would say start six months out ahead of time with just starting to clean house and all these things that nobody's talking about. Mm-hmm. Everybody's missing because when Dr. Um, I talked to Anthony Samsell, he's written several papers on glyphosates now and in, in their in collagen dysfunction. Uh, last summer I talked to him on a, on a, a long uh, phone call and he was saying how he was testing the umbilical cord and the placenta and finding glyphosate in the umbilical cord and the placenta. Wow. Now, why is that a problem? So, one of the main things the body's made out of is glycine. So a third of the body, roughly a third of the body, 30 to 32% of the body is collagen. So what is collagen? We'll talk about this for a second. Uh, hair, skin, nails, ligaments, tendons, cartilage, bone is 90% collagen. Your actual myelin sheath around your nerves and your brain are collagen, okay? The, all the, the uterine lining, that, that, that elastin collagen tissue, all of these things are collagen. And one of the th- big things that we talk about, the glyphosate load in HMET, glycine is the main amino acid in collagen. Now, what is glyphosate? Glyphosate is a methylphosphonoglycine molecule. So it's basically, they call it an analog. What's an analog? An analog is an amino acid look very similar, but the glyphosate over here has one extra little branch off of it. So the body has a hard time telling the difference. So it says, hey, give me a G. And you draw in either the glyphosate or the glycine because they are both actually glycine molecules. So guess what happens? If I draw the glycine in, uh, glyphosate into the glycine position, now I'm making collagen out of glyphosate, lysine, proline, glyphosate, lysine, proline. And what does that do to the collagen? Complete disruption of the collagen of the myelin sheath, of the uterine lining potentially, of baby's brain, of baby's reproductive organs. Uh, we're actually seeing a preload of glyphosate Dr. Jacqueline, in babies today. And I say, and they say that autism is, is genetic. That's a bunch of baloney. It's, we have genetic susceptibilities to having this problem here, but if you're loading glyphosate in the position of glycine mm-hmm. during the pregnancy, the, you actually now know that we actually see biointegration of glyphosate and we have bioaccumulation. So when we see it coming up in the placenta, now it can get into the actual baby's tissue and baby has a predisposition because it's already been loaded with glyphosate before it was even born. We made it you know, because in 1972, there was a patent filed that showed that glyphosate could attach to almost any amino acid in a, in a lab. So that means it does and it can 
actually integrate into your own tissue. So when it's when mama's growing a baby inside of her, if that's getting into the tissue, that tissue is not normal. Now we used to always laugh in the farm about Chinese steel 40 years ago. And you know, it was, it was uh, had basically impurities in it. And the, the shaft or a, a piece of steel would break right in half. That's an impurity. So what does an impurity do in our own tissues? The same thing, it's not normal function. So here's a little child growing in mom, glyphosate, it affects the brain. And then later on, as, as the baby's growing, and we talked about in our last seminar out there, eight to 14 year old children now are the highest level of ACL tears in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, how old are you? I don't know how much you want to ask your age, but. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I'm going to try not to ever care. Uh, actually, no. <laughs> you know what? I did care when I was younger. I'm still young. <laughs> so I, I didn't want people to know how old I was so they wouldn't think that I didn't know what I was talking about. So yeah, there's the op- it works the opposite way sometimes. Okay. I'm 32, and I've accepted so, that, you know what, I surrounded myself by wonderful people like you, so I do know some things. There you go, yeah. So what we're seeing is we're seeing these children from, from the time of conception being affected by this, this chemical load out there. And so I've been tracking the glyphosate and Lyme disease, or Lyme bacteria and all the co-infections there. And when you are able to remove that before you try to become pregnant. We see women having a much more natural birth. We see them holding the pregnancies. We see the birthing actual process much easier and we see a healthier, happier, brighter baby on the, on the backside of it. So do you think glyphosate is the main reason why these issues are happening? Or, I mean, I know there's a whole toxic dump of stuff going on, but I'm just going to think. Right now, from what, I, what I've seen in my practice and just looking back through the years, I think it's one of the, a, a huge hidden factor. And the biggest reason being, I don't think anybody would care about glyphosate if, you, if it didn't look like human tissue or a building block of human tissue. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So when you have one amino acid that makes up one third of your body's tissue and it's used every third amino acid in there is glycine, and we have something that looks so similar, but yet so different. And body, the body can't tell. And that's the biggest problem. It just says, give me a glycine. So when it pulls in that position, and remember now, this is a chelator. So when it gets in that position, it actually steals the minerals that would allow the tissue to actually come together and form naturally. Mm-hmm. So I'm creating deficiencies in the tissue of the actual of the enzyme function. Because what I'm doing is I'm actually taking and stealing the, the coenzyme in this case. I believe the minerals, the coenzyme. And that's not there. Not only does my my bonding not take place properly, the tissue is is not normal tissue. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I really believe that because remember, a lot of these pathways for making progesterone, making testosterone, making estrogens, because they all go up when when mom is pregnant. At least the progesterone, and testosterone, or progesterone and estrogen do. That not being able to be made will cause a pregnancy to be lost, and miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage, or potential child being born with autism, trisomy 21, we could probably trace many of these problems back to the not only genetic, but epigenetic problems because of the, of the chemical load there. Okay. So how does, can we, actually I should ask, can you tie in how copper relates to glyphosate? Yeah. So um, remember that glyphosate loves minerals. It's a chelator. So once it sees a mineral, it locks onto the mineral, doesn't let go of it. So one of the main things, let's just talk about collagen, for example. Now we said collagen is one third of your body. So one third of baby growing inside of mama is collagen. So even the even the uterus, okay, 
the, the elastin collagen in the uterus is also important here too. But what actually happens is when we, we talk about, um, sorry, I have my little, my little models here. So I'll bring out my springs here. So this is actually representing three chains of collagen. Collagen's wrapped together, much like a, like a helix. They come together. And then we, we actually have, you cannot, I don't have it on here. We actually have cross-linking between these little, little springs in there, these imagine them being collagen fibers. And that, that cross-linking gives the ability to that collagen to stretch and compress and twist and do all the things it's supposed to do in the body. So the last and collagen are made very similar. When the copper is stolen, we do not cross-link these fibers together. So, and then when glyphosate substitutes in here for glycine, what actually happens is instead of the collagen being, being very flexible and compressible and bendable and twistable, it becomes rigid and brittle. Because I've stolen the copper, I don't have the covalent cross-linking here, and this is why these young kids just trying to play sports, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, are tearing ACLs right in half just trying to, to move on a soccer field. Okay? So that being said, now this would be, and what's interesting, this is, say this is collagen right here, more of a springy. I'm stretching it. I'm really bending it. It should come back to position. I twist it. It comes back to position. This would be normal collagen. And what's interesting, normal collagen, gram for gram, pound for pound, is stronger than steel. So we should never be able to break collagen unless we have a severe, you know, a car accident, you know, something coming through the collagen. It shouldn't be. And this is what's happening today in so many children out there. And I think this is one of the reasons we're losing these pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Collagen, collagen dysfunction. Well, and then, so if, if it's lowering the copper load as well, then copper is a huge thing that builds estrogen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I don't know the number of, of pathways copper is used, is, is used in, but it's a, it's a, in a very, very critical element in there. And what we're seeing, Dr. Jacqueline, is we're seeing localized copper deficiencies. Okay. Localized copper deficiencies. So I think if you did an overall check of the actual copper level in the bloodstream, it would probably be okay. But if you went to the brain and looked at the myelin production up there, one of the main minerals for myelin production is copper. Mm. So just imagine what I'm doing if I steal the copper out of the brain and localized tissue that myelin sheath isn't able to actually work properly. Now we've lost ability to actually make make collagen. And and that's what the myelin sheath's made out of. And then you go down to the actual ligaments and tendons in this little child being born. Now it's affecting bone structure and, and everything there. So yeah, copper is a big thing in the in the estrogen pathways also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I know you have someone there. You want to? Oh, wait. Hey, it's just UPS. So. <laughs> it's okay. It makes the podcast more authentic. <laughs> well, it's, it's authentic. We're here at work. Yeah. <laughs> so. so you know how you mentioned about that story about, I believe it was your, um, your patient that came in and, and the son didn't have testicles or something. Yeah. So yeah. do you think that the glyphosate is also a part of the reason why we're seeing a lot of uh, transgender uh, on the rise, transgender people? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a touchy question, but it's a great question. Um, what was, what's interesting um, about this, and if you ever follow the, the cat studies back in the 40s with Pottinger's cat studies and stuff where they, they were feeding, uh, you know, a not, no, an unnormal diet, you know, what is a cat? A cat is basically a carnivore. So they were, they were feeding it table scraps and they were, I'm not sure what they're using these, these cats for back in the day, this Pottinger cat study. And after three or four generations, there's all these health problems and 
uh, sexual orientated problems there. And when they clean the diet up in, in a matter of three, two or three generations, the, they completely reverse. So yeah, just imagine for a second, if you don't have testicles, if you don't have ovaries, where's your ability to, to produce the hormones? So in Germany, they give the mom and dad 10 days, I believe, to decide if, the, if it's a male or female. And Dr. Don Huber's joke was, well, won't you just look down and, and see, is it a boy or a girl? And so, yeah, I think we have huge problems here because we're not forming, I mean, to be male is to have testicles and, and normal production of testosterone, and to be female would be to have, have uh, ovaries and have normal levels of estrogen. And so if you take these normal levels and they're not there, how does a person feel male or feel female or, or feel quote unquote normal. So I think it is probably a huge problem there. It's disrupting the estrogen pathways and the reproductive organs for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I don't judge anyone. They can do whatever they want, but my heart breaks in seeing this because of knowing how toxicity affects the body and then these overgrowth of infections and how do we expect our hormones to, to function right? So if people's hormones are not functioning right, and they're not producing enough of their female or male hormones, depending on what sex they are, then it makes sense why people might feel like they're the opposite sex. Right. Or no known sex. I mean, it, it's, oh, it's, it comes back to, you know, you, again, testosterone is, is higher in a male. We still, we still have estrogen in our body and estrogen is higher in a female and they still have testosterone in their body. But if these numbers are, are flipped, what happens to a person? What happens to their organs? What happens to the neuro, their neurological function? I don't know, but you, how could you not affect the ability for a male to be male or a female to be female or that crossing over or that inability to actually know what one is if you don't actually have the hormone levels there? Yeah. So here's another reason why I'm waiting to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm getting closer just in case anyone's wondering. But a little bit more detox would not hurt either one of these parties here that are <laughs> me and my husband. Yeah. Um, so you had talked about Lyme co-infections. That's how we started this off. And yeah. you mentioned Babesia and anemia. So just so the audience understands this, are you saying Babesia is the reason why people have anemia? You know, it's really a, a common thing. Um, I would say that probably 10 to 1 anemia women over to men. So let's take examples. So I've got a 30-year-old female sitting in front of me, and she's showing a 11.1 hemoglobin, and I think she should be 14 and a half, 15. She's, she looks fairly healthy overall. And so I begin to question her. I say, well, how's your cycle? Normal cycle, you know, three, four days, you know, so one or two days heavy, light, medium light, done. Okay, so normal cycle every month. So then I kind of cross that off as being a reason for anemia. And then I ask, well, do you have any hemorrhoids? Do you have a, any bleeding going on rectally? So that would be another way of losing blood, okay? Do you have a bleeding ulcer? Do you have colitis? Do you have irritable bowel disease? That could be another way of losing. So as we start to cross these off the list, one of the things that's last on the list is parasite load. What do parasites love, Dr. Jacqueline? They love iron. Mm. And so that could be a big stealer. So what is Babesia? Babesia is a protozoa it's a blood cell parasite, lives in the bloodstream, and it can affect your ferritin levels. And so when we look at, we store iron in the intestinal system, in the intestinal wall, and we store it in the liver. And one of the big places that Babesia loves to live is in the liver system, and that's where it lays its eggs. And what, 
what Babesia does cause is something called hemolytic anemia, where it takes a red blood cell and fractures the blood cell. And when you normally when you're recycling blood cells, you get probably 98% of the actual contents of that blood cell to get to used again. If I put a Babesia in there, a protozoa in there, it says it's like a Pac-Man. It's in there eating all of my good stuff out, eats the iron out, and all of a sudden there's nothing left to recycle. So I'm not only fracturing blood cells, I'm stealing the iron out. I tend to crash the ferritin levels in the liver. So if, if you've got a pregnancy and someone walks in, they've got a ferritin of 20, and they've got a stiff neck all the time, and they're fatigued all the time, and no matter how much iron they take, they not get their, their actual iron levels up. I'm really thinking about, hey, it's probably a parasite, but where's the parasite located? You know, there's the big ones, I think, are the cestodes, trematodes, nematodes, and we can talk about those deeper. But doing a parasite cleanse before becoming pregnant, I think, is also a great idea because with cell core stuff, we found that there's a lot of trematodes that tend to take and live in the liver. That'd be liver flukes in that, in that grouping. And then there's nematodes, which are the strongoloids that can live in the intestinal system. So either one or two things is happening. They're not able to absorb the iron because the the parasites are getting before it even gets in are causing disruption of the intestinal wall. Or if the iron does get in, the Babesia is attacking the blood cells and lowering the actual hemoglobin so that they have a, say they're a female athlete, 30 years old, they have a child or two at home, they're exercising every day, they're having a normal cycle, and they've got Babesia. It would be almost impossible to maintain hemoglobin levels no matter how much iron they would take in. And again, we shouldn't need iron. We should be shedding iron on a daily basis. So when you just can't get your iron up, you've got to back down that and say, well, I wonder, I wonder if there's a parasite there. And then I wonder if it's Babesia. And then you can go down to the symptom category. I think on Cellcore, they actually have the categorization of what Babesia feels like in the body. And, and But that's one of the things I see. So someone with Babesia, you would see uh, low hemoglobin. You might see small red blood cells if it's chronic, so they're under 90 red blood cells. The MCV is under 90. You, you might have this person with just chronic fatigue all the time. They might have that stiff neck going on. They might be having night sweats going on. Their arms might fall asleep at night. These are just pure indications that there's Babesia there. But those are the indicators that I see over and over again. Or a woman that says, man, I just take iron. I can't bring my hemoglobin up. When I'm pregnant, it drops down to 9.5 or 10. That would not be normal. Because most prenatals have a little bit of iron in it. So that's what I look for. You know, I used to do live blood analysis, and I would, I would see the cells in the microscope, and you could see the microcytes. So when the cells were small, and you can see the cells um, that had the, the parasites inside of them. And then oh, yeah. you see some, like what you're talking about, where they look like they're like this. It looked yep. like it was twisted. Yep. And I didn't know of the name but the, at the time of Babesia. I knew there was yep. some sort of parasite thing going on. Yeah. Some type of bacteria that was inside of it suffocating it. But yeah. um, I mean, you just painted the perfect picture of what I was seeing in a lot of people. Yeah, I've never done live blood cell, but that's interesting to actually hear you say that. But I think that's probably one of the, the more than Lyme itself, Lyme bacteria, I think Babesia is, because I, what I find now is, is we, I just read an article this summer that said that several of the biting insects also carry different forms of Lyme. Mm-hmm. And of course, mosquitoes. Are, are huge for that. And there's a high percentage of mosquitoes now carrying different forms, not only West Nile, but the different Lyme co-infections in there. So I think uh, even more people today, even in my area, which is Wisconsin, so we have mosquitoes from probably May until September up here, that we're actually seeing more and more people being infected by a mosquito, not by a, by a tick. Yeah. Now, 
there's a connection between glyphosate and Lyme disease I've heard you talk about. So I, I would love for you to dive into that. Yeah. So one of the patterns I started studying glyphosate probably two years ago, really checking every patient. So I'm, I do kinesiology. I, I use little vials. I vial test. And what I found is that there were some people that just seemed to be much harder to rid their body of Lyme. And I could not figure out for the longest time. I'm like, why can't I just get rid of this? this Lyme in people. And it seemed like the younger the person was, the easier it was, the older the person was, the harder it was. So I was like, okay, maybe they have a suppressed immune system. But when I started looking for glyphosate in the body, where was it actually in the tissue? I would find it in the joints a lot. Now remember, let's just back up for a second. Your muscles are about 2% collagen. Your, your joints of the body, the shoulders, the, the hips, knees are about 80% collagen. So remember, glyphosate tends to bioaccumulate, biointegrate into the actual collagen tissues. So there's a higher, much higher load of glyphosate in the tissues. Now, back at one more step, glyphosate suppresses about 293 enzymes in the body and several of those enzymes are in the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. So Jacqueline, we know that the mitochondria, you know, remember now immune system is luxury, okay? It's a luxury to have a great immune system, not necessary luxury. So as the body can't make enough energy, as this glyphosate comes in, localized in my joints, in my brain, and it begins to accumulate there and even bio-integrate, and it starts to suppress my mitochondria function, it suppresses my immune system. Now it's suppressing mitochondria, suppressing immune function. Now it's very difficult to really beat that, that Lyme out. And when I cross-check it and I ask when we, we do kinesiology, if the tissue in the joints could make perfect energy, the Lyme couldn't exist to live there because it's, it's member. What is Lyme? It's a bear. It's a parasite, a bacteria, and we should be able to eliminate that because we know it's there with our immune system. But remember a weakened immune system is saying, okay, just stay there. Don't, don't come after me. And now you can, and, but you can't clean it all completely. So I find a very much of an overlay of wherever the glyphosate accumulates in the body, immune suppression, then the Lyme co-infections can actually live there. And it's very difficult to beat out, especially the Babesia, because Babesia is a parasite leaving eggs behind. So then you have this, you know, when you treat parasites, Dr. Jacqueline, as you know, you want to usually do two or three rounds to really move those little buggers out. And so when you just get rid of the adults and these eggs are left behind in a stressful situation, a car accident, the, the loss of a loved one, you know, God knows what else, loss of a job, that stress coming into your body again lowers your immune function just enough. But he says, oh, I think I can get Dr. Jacqueline today. And here it comes again. And then you're fighting that same infection three or four or six months later. And this would just be a chronic case of Lyme and a chronic case of chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia and a chronic case of the inability to hold a pregnancy because the body's moving energy around the system trying to, to actually keep the cells functioning. Not knowing all this talk about viruses today and the, all the viruses out there. Everyone's worried about the, uh, I call it the bologna virus, but <laughs> you can cut that out. We'll have another podcast about that one. We'll have another podcast about that. But why do 85-year-olds succumb to it, but not five-year-olds? Because, because if you have enough mitochondria function, you have enough immune function. And I know for a fact that when I get a virus, one of the first things I do is I, I want to go sleep. I just, I feel tired. So the body recognizes an invader, a pathogen, a virus, bacteria, fungus, yeast, and it has to take energy to go after it and attack it. So if we don't have enough energy to run our vital organs and have an immune system, we have to choose. And so we're going to choose vital organs always over 
immune function. So we'll modulate our immune system based upon how much energy we have in the mitochondria. So if we have low toxins, low low uh, roundup there, low lime there, the mitochondria function is pretty good. So we have energy just to, to actually modulate a good immune system function over here. But if we have low mitochondria function because of the toxic loads there, guess what? We have very low modulation of our immune system and then we get caught out on, on a virus or a bacteria and we can't get rid of it. That's all I can say to that one. I mean, <laughs> Dr. Lindsay, I, I just am fascinated on how you've come to these conclusions in your practice. I mean, I feel like you're definitely forerunning that all of this, these connections. I mean, I've heard you say before, you just know how to connect dots. And yeah. I mean, it's not even a just, it's, it's like a, it's a huge deal, obviously, to, to realize we, more and more people are starting to realize glyphosate's an issue. Uh, obviously, more and more people need to know that, which is why we're talking about this. Um, but the connection between how the, the glyphosate lowers your mitochondrial production and then your lowered mitochondrial production lowers your immune system. And then now these bugs can stay flourishing. And so you can still have your Lyme, Lyme flare up because of it and exactly. other viruses and everything else that we're dealing with. Right. So, right. Um, you know, it's, it's a huge thing, obviously, not only does the, getting rid of the glyphosate help you get pregnant and keep your pregnancy and have just have that whole process be better, but also the athletic performance and not hurting yourself when you're playing soccer or your, your kids are doing sports, et cetera. Um, and, and, then, and then also dealing, just having a healthy immune system in general as you grow old. So I have been taking, let's see, actually I've taken all your products. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, once I started taking these IS products, I, yeah. I just felt like it was almost like having a cocktail. I, I know that sounds really funny, but I took these things and I was like, oh my God, my body feels amazing. So yeah. I clearly needed it. Um, it's after really interesting, oh, not to cut in there, but yeah. I've got a story. I've got a, a, a local gal here and, and uh, she'll stop by the clinic every, every month or two and she'll say, oh, I just need a little bit more of the IS BAB, the IS4. I'm like, why? She goes, I just feel better on it. And she goes, why is that? I, I'm not, I said, well, you're not treating Lyme all the time. So a lot of the herbs in there are actually liver kidney support. And so when I developed these products, I developed them without knowing about Cellcor. Okay, Dr. Todd and I had met um, a few years after I developed the products, but I, they were standalone. They, they had to be standalone where I thought, okay, we want to go after pathogens. We want to be able to boost liver function, kidney function. So people say, why do you have 22 herbs in here? Because we were trying to... <laughs> We were trying to accomplish several different things with, with one product. And so if I gave it to them, I don't want to give them 15 things. I want to say, okay, let's go in and make sure. Because my joke is in my clinic, it's never the bug that hurts you. It's the bug poop mm. that hurts you. Mm. If you get food poisoning, is it the bacteria? No, it's what they secrete. And Lyme is much the same way. I mean, if you think of the number of people that, that are on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, Dr. Jacqueline, most of the time, their brain is on fire and because what do the, what's the main thing that these bugs secrete bacteria and parasites it's oh. ammonia ammonia and ammonia will take your cell membrane and opens the cell membrane up and calcium can rush in and it gets into the excitatory neuron and it hammers on the excitatory neuron till it actually kills it so i tell people if you have unfound anxiety into eventually into depression 
that is usually a neurotoxin working you over and working you over. And, and these bugs crawl across the blood-brain barrier. And once they're up there, they say, wow, I just deal with the local immune system. It's just me and Barney Fife up here. It's not the state patrol. It's not the feds here. It's just local immune system. I can live here. I can create a toxin. And it's not normal to have a bacterial infection in your brain, you know, of one or two or three strains of Lyme. And they're toxins, and this is where you start seeing that, that, that mitochondria function drop. You see the neurotransmitter function drop. Mm-hmm. And one thing that no one talks about, or very few talk about, is if we go back to baby, and we go back to gut function and neurotransmitters, the three main amino acids, the, the, they're called aromatic amino acids, that are made in the gut system are made from bacteria. So good colonies of bacteria, Dr. Jacqueline, are what make tryptophan make phenylalanine and make tyrosine. Those are the actual amino acids that are released by these good bacteria, your probiotics. So growing up, I never heard of a probiotic. It was go look, you know, go eat some dirt or eat some yogurt. And we, you know, back in the seventies, there wasn't any probiotics, but today everybody's on a probiotic. Do you notice that? Mm. Everybody probiotic. And yeah. yes, they're needed. And why is that? Is one part in 10 million of glyphosate in your, in your water, in your food is enough to just take your, your flora right down to nothing. Ugh. And this is what's interesting is 40% of kids who got a fecal matter transplant with autism, they were better in eight weeks. 40% of them. But I I always say, Jack, we're we're working on the wrong end of the tube. (laughs) We need to work on this end of the tube, not that that end of the tube. We need to be having less glyphosate coming in or the ability to bind it. Uh And then work on the probiotics coming this direction. If we can keep the gut flora up, we keep the building blocks for the neurotransmitters up. We keep the neurotransmitters in the brain functioning. And then here goes your anxiety, postpartum depression, you know, anxiety after having a baby, but mostly depression. And then baby's brain function too. Yeah. Well, mental wellness. I created a whole cerebral detox program. And um, my series before this was about mental wellness. And yeah. it was because I was learning about just stuff like what you just mentioned on how these chemicals and these infections affect our mental health. And, you know, this is not being talked about enough as a root cause of why people are having a lot of these issues nowadays. Um, so I appreciate you tying that piece in because that also relates to the whole pregnancy part of it. I mean, we want our children to have good functioning brains. If they can have good functioning brains, they're going to be better off in life. And, and the parent's going to be better off in life. I'm sure it's not easy to have a child that's autistic or, even if they're not diagnosed with autism, if their brain is not functioning right, they're just not going to have, it's not going to be as easy to go through school and succeed in life and be able to function in this world. So, um, I mean, I'm even a test of that. Like I have always been really driven, but there's been times in my life where my mitochondria was down the drain and my energy stink and my hair was falling out and my digestive system was awful and I did not feel good. And even though I wanted to do big things in life, start a business and help people, et cetera, I, I felt like I couldn't in some ways. Like I was trying very hard and I would just go through the motions, but it's very hard to function at high levels when, you're, when your body is pulling you back. So, right. so anyways, I want to land the plane on this note. So, okay, okay. <laughs> I know you got, you got family stuff to do. So... <laughs> So you created, okay, so you have four of these products. There's IS4, IS Dab, IS Boost. Um, I probably have some in the background here. IS, IS, nope. IS I have the bar, same ones yeah. in the background. Okay, you have two other ones. IS Boost, then IS, what am I missing? BART. Yeah, a lot of Bs there. Board, Bab, I, yeah. Boost, BART. 
I know. I'm like, I as like, I just, are we going to just keep listing the bees? But um, I've been taking this one recently, um, Babesia. So that one's like the hardest one to get rid of, right? The yeah. And that's the one that we use often with oxygen and the, and the carbon minerals from Cellcor because uh, they're great biofilm breakers. And so if we can assist the body in any way, shape or form with helping break biofilms, and along with viruses, viruses have a, you know, a, a biofilm around them. So we want to go and attack that biofilm. So I always say if, I tell my patients, if we can get a little bit more help to break biofilms, the tinctures work better, your immune system works better. Because if I have a film over top of this bacteria, this parasite, and I can't see it, I, I call it like if anybody's a Star Trek fan, I call it the Klingon cloaking system. It's cloaked. Your body can't see that bacteria because most most of our immune system runs on a chemotactic signal. So if I'm biofilmed up and there's no chemical signal, I don't know the parasites there. I don't know the bacteria is there. So if we use the, the actual oxygen carbonyls, we can break the biofilm. Now I can see the bacteria, the parasite, the, the, the tincture penetrates better. Your immune system gets involved. And the other thing that's great about those other two products is they actually increase mitochondria function so that I can increase immune function. Okay, so hold we, on real quick. So when yeah. you're talking about oxygen, Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yep. Computer. We're yep. talking about this one right here, except now we changed the name. <laughs> it's now hydroxy, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're talking so, about, because yes. normally we mix these two together, right? Yeah, I love taking them together because what it's going to okay. do is it's going to give us a deeper and better removal of the actual Babesia in that case, or any, any pathogen. And I think in the future, we're going to actually have it blended together, right? Uh, maybe we will. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I figured you would have an idea. <laughs> I could have sworn I heard that. So sorry, audience. Well, I don't what, know. what we did I do is, is you know, one of the biggest things that we see with these young kids in sports, and uh, I'm over 50 now, uh, with the collagen dysfunction is, is uh, Cellcor will be releasing a uh, cream now. We've had an art clinic. It's, it was, it's always been called a ligament. Uh, I'll just show you what this is coming out here in a few months, I think in the next 60 yeah. days. And it's basically joint ligament recovery cream and we call it TLC Renew. Not tendon lever care, but actual tendon ligament cartilage. <laughs> so, and in this product, we actually do have the oxygen and we have the carbon minerals and we have the HMET. So this is an amazing product, not only to regenerate and go and give building blocks for, for the actual collagen. So you put it topically. And nice things you know about creams after Jacqueline, if we put something on the surface, it tends to stay locally and goes in and it works locally you put something in your mouth once it goes through the stomach and it hits the bloodstream the body says i'm going to use it where i think it's most necessary and needed so guess what it gets pulled everywhere so i always see if you're going to rebuild collagen if you want stronger hair stronger ligaments stronger tendons stronger bone work outside the inside with a cream locally we have a, a problem where it's a sore shoulder a sore neck a sore knee and then doing something like we also have a product coming to become with cell cord connective tissue it's a connective tissue blend of the amino acids that we're starting with pure amino acids, not starting with collagen. And there's a big difference between collagen and amino acids because you don't make yourself out of cow collagen. You have to break the collagen apart into single amino acids. And then that makes Dr. Jacqueline's collagen, her hair, her skin, her nails. And then this way, there is no glyphosate in there. Okay. So you start with a real pure amino acid blend with the overlay of the minerals that have been stolen. And then we're going the inside to the outside with the cream outside the inside. So this can be used on young kids, can be used on a low back problem. This is a collagen regenerator. And, but also it's helping you bind up the glyphosate. So we're coming at it from two different directions with the HMET also.
Okay, so the one, the thing you showed me was the cream that you top yep. and then you had another one. Do you have a? Yeah, this one is not released yet. It's uh, in the works at our clinic. We just we just sell it uh, to our patients, and, and I don't think we've ever put it on the website. But it's called it's called Connected Tissue Mix, and it's got the okay. all the, it's got all the amino acids in here plus the minerals, and you just put it in some warm water, and it, it doesn't it's not flavored, doesn't taste great, but it's very effective. And I've seen patients amazingly, 18 to 24 months doing something like that, where it's because remember. Collagen has to be broken apart into the single amino acids. So this is already done. It's just single amino acids. And when it goes into water and a warm to hot water, it's completely, you can't even see it in the glass. It's ready to be absorbed. I do it 15, 20 minutes before a meal. That along with the cream and the HMET and treating the glyphosate load down in the lime, I've seen just amazing results with people's joints and ligaments and tendons coming back. And uh, everywhere from... 18-year-old uh, high school student or, or up to a 75-year-old person just trying to still stay functional. Would that cream be good used topically on a woman's uterus while she's pregnant? You know, I've never tried that. But, well, but, I would like to know if you find well, <laughs> <laughs> I hear Todd's wife is pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Number, number five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, I think... Um, kiddingly, I tell women to use on their skin because what is your skin? It's collagen, right? So the elastin collagen, and I, so I, every morning I get up and that's why I look so young. Oh, we're going to have that beauty summit now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and put that one in there. Yeah. But I, if you I have like the building blocks thing. for collagen, you know, that's, so a lot of people want to start with collagen, but, right. uh, and they're saying, oh, it's, you know, it's from New Zealand. It's this, it's that. But remember the half life of glyphosate in the soil on a light soil is 22 years, on a heavy soil is 30 years. So that, that after three years, they can declare soil organic, but probably 92%, 95% of the actual glyphosate is still in the soil. And so it's gonna come back up in the plant, attached to the mineral, and just keeps going over and over around to that plant. So it would take literally 100 years for that soil to test uh, at very low or non-detectable of glyphosate. Mm. So is, is the organic better? Yes. But we still have to know that 90 plus percent of the people that are pure organic are still showing levels of glyphosate almost match conventional. Mm -hmm. Okay, last thing. Okay. IOATP. This is yeah. your, this is from you, right? Your it was my my brain process, at least. It was my brainchild. <laughs> so uh, I studied uh, um, mitochondria function for a couple hundred hours, and I was looking at the ketogenic diet. And why do people feel better on ketogenic diet? Is it really the fact that they're not, the sugar's gone and all these other things? But what comes of that, and uh, looking at Dr. Boris Laszlo has been the real pusher behind this. Um, lots of foods have a molecule called deuterium in it. And so deuterium is a hydrogen with an extra neutron. What is that? So in World War II, we were trying to all get to the, the race to make the atomic bomb. And we had to have heavy water. So heavy water is made from deuterium. It's not a normal hydrogen. It's a hydrogen with an extra neutron. So in our foods, normal foods have about 140 parts per million of deuterium, okay? That being said, as you eat ketogenic, as you get some of these different foods out of the diet, what happens is you start seeing a lowering of the actual deuterium level in the actual tissues, in the, in the water, in the food. Why does it change the body? Deuterium cannot be, so when we take our food apart, we're actually stripping off of the jack and there's hydrogen atoms. Well, deuterium 
and the actual hydrogen are both hydrogens, but one has an extra neutron on it. And when that gets into your mitochondria, it causes damage to the mitochondria. It breaks the actual nanomotor where the ATP is being made. So as you take the mito ATP, not only does it actually seem to help bind up to some of the heavy metals, it actually seems to be lowering the deuterium level, which naturally boosts mitochondria function. Uh, you know, I would say 30 or 40% I see in my patients. I don't have a hard number that we don't have run lab tests on it, but it's pretty amazing what it does over time. And the story behind that one is I, I took the idea out there to Cellcorp and Dr. Jeff was out there, uh, the chief scientist, and uh, I was explaining deuterium to him. Of course, he knew all about what deuterium was. He says, oh, I, I think I could do something with that. Well, the next day he showed up with the bottle of stuff. And if you know what neat means, neat means concentrate, right? So he's like, here, try this. And so we were amazed that within four or five minutes, everybody who had mitochondria dysfunction, it was clearing the mitochondria dysfunction. It was turning the mitochondria back on completely, uh, ADP to ATP conversion. So he says, here, take this home, try it out. How, well, how much should I take? Oh, take a squirt a day. So about a month went by and I, I'd stopped sleeping at night. I think I was maybe getting an hour and a half of sleep at night. And I was literally like, you know, so I called Jeff up and I thought I was coming out of my body. And I said, hey, Jeff, I said, uh, how much should I take this stuff? I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit crazy. And he's like, well, how much are you taking? And I said, well, I'm taking 15 drops a day. He goes, oh, we figured out you're only supposed to be seven drops in it per bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so I was literally taking two bottles of Mito ATP a day and uh, I didn't need much sleep, but it wasn't, it, it got to the point where it was overloaded. My brain was going so fast that I, I couldn't shut it down. So don't do it. So this so. is why we do tons of clinical trials and lab testing and why we spent $2 million on a lab and why we have the most genius scientists and holistic doctors yeah. that have partnered on Cellcore <laughs> so that we figure <laughs> these things out. Yeah. Don't, just, don't just take this home and try it out because I'm telling you, yeah. And we'll that's let what Dr. Ellen try them out. <laughs> yeah, I tried it out. <laughs> See what happens on him first. <laughs> yeah. So I think point being is that it's really fun to see patients on a, on a live setting in a clinic because I, I don't do much virtual. I do mostly live patients and to see the patterns and then be able to go to have an intelligent conversation with Dr. Todd and Dr. Jay uh, and Jeff in the, in the lab and start to work through the chemistry, what could be going on and then start to test things, muscle testing wise and bio testing. And you can reach uh, some pretty neat conclusions of matter of weeks versus years and years and years of questioning it. So I think it's a it's a great way to do it. We can turn products very quickly that way and, and do the trials very quickly because we can get to this to the answer we believe is and then so you're so much closer to the end game on the first try versus the fifteenth try. Right. So this is why you hang out. We're just just a good idea to hang out with smart people in general. There, yeah. In the <laughs> now, always hang out with smarter people, that's what I say. That's why I'm that's why I hang out with Cellcore people. Right. <laughs> you know, Cellcore people are definitely one of a kind and it's like you come around Cellcore people and they're all drinking the juice and we're like electric <laughs> it's like the party never ends yeah <laughs> in a good way <laughs> i think i think the, the biggest thing is that you know when when we start talking about mitochondrial function we really when i kind of sold my ideas a little bit to to the guys out there we came to the determination that if the mitochondria work everything works mm -hmm. in the body and i think that's become a real mantra of Cellcore all the products are based on the fact that we want to always be trying to improve mitochondrial function, whether it's a drainage product, a detoxifying product, a binder product, 
the mitral ATP, the oxygen, it really comes down to if we're increasing mitochondrial function, we win. We win every battle in the body. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and you can, you can call, I mean, you, at six years of age versus 60 years of age, I, I think the article I read a while back said it was a thousand-fold difference in cancer from a six-year-old to a six-year-old, which makes, makes sense, right? I mean, so what happens between six and 60? Probably mostly toxins and mitochondria function. So fixing that problem, you can greatly decrease your potential to make abnormal cells, which tends tend to eventually become cancer cells. You're going to show me your epigenetic ability to show me your worst case genes. Yeah. Yep. That's a great way to sum that all up. And so let's sum up the, the mitochondria and um, this whole idea of pregnancy together. So what are some last notes that you want to leave? So I think a, a great protocol for somebody who's wanting to become pregnant is doing the HMET up front, the bactocarbon minerals up front, running through the ISO Babbart Boost bore. Um, one round of that for sure, just to remove that pathogenic load that's so hidden in the tissue of the body. Um, so we have normal hemoglobin levels, normal brain function. So we don't have the ammonia in the brain to have the postpartum depression after that big traumatic event, which is birth, and all that stress that goes with that, that we actually have good mitochondria function using the mitral ATP throughout the pregnancy. Um, one other thing with the pregnancy, for not, for not only for mama, but for baby, we, we haven't talked about this, but it's choline. Choline is very important. Uh, rats fed choline, the babies ran the maze 50% faster than the, the, the rat babies that did not get choline. What does that mean? Choline helps you build acetylcholine receptors in the brain. What also helps mom do is, is acetylcholine and choline are very important for bile function. How many women lose their gallbladder a month after having a baby? A lot, a lot. And it's because they, they run out of choline because they're trying to give choline to baby, baby's brain, and to help make the bile, and bile becomes sludgy, and estrogen goes up, bile becomes more sludgy, guess what happens? They have a gallbladder attack. Oh, we'll take that out on Thursday. You know, don't worry about it. You know? And then you never have a gallbladder the rest of your life. So now you've lost the ability to, to break down fats properly and you have more diarrhea and it's a whole other problem. So I would say women probably 15 to 1 lose gallbladders over men because of estrogens, because of pregnancy, and a lack of choline while being pregnant. So because that's in the, the advanced Tudka, could they use that, you think? So <clears throat> most of the studies show between 700 and 1,000 milligrams of choline a day. Oh, so no, wait, being, no, it's not in the Tudka. I think that's uh, okay. something else. I'm I think NAC, NAC might be. Yeah, yeah so my, my whole, I, so just find a choline source, you know, and food plus that level, and, we, and it maximizes baby's IQ. It maximizes mom's ability to use the bile to detoxify. So it's a healthier pregnancy taking choline also while, mm -hmm. while she's pregnant. And then we talked about the oxygen too. So yeah, it's not I, oxygen. I think taking oxygen through the pregnancy is good, especially if your hemoglobin is suffering. I've had women just literally survive on that in pregnancy because of the fact that their hemoglobin was 11 or 12 and we call them late game. And that just helps them maintain normal function. Otherwise they, they just can't do, do their job and take care of the, take care of the kids and, and, and maintain that pregnancy. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to throw in there myself, um, in our meeting this morning, Vaughn, so Dr. Todd Watts' brother, for those of you guys who are listening, he's, he also works with Cellcore and is a doctor. And he mentioned everybody needs the iodine if they're pregnant. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I, I think that one of the interesting things about trisomy 21 or Down syndrome is that it happens the older you become in pregnancy. So you, instead of being 22, being 42, the numbers greatly increase and they're, they're linking that back to a thyroid dysfunction. So what if it was just low iodine? You know, and what's really interesting is no one wants to talk about iodine anymore, but a lot of my patients that are plus 70, and I talk about iodine, they go, oh yeah, because back in the home, the little little township schools, they used to give a little chocolate tablet, and it was iodine with, a, with chocolate mixed in with it. So these kids were getting iodine tablets once a week back in the 40s and 50s up until about 1960. Then all of a sudden, oh, iodine salt, we don't need iodine anymore. But that's a, it's a huge problem. You know, thyroid, a slow thyroid causes all kinds of problems in the body. So yeah, it's, it's, and that's just one place. Now women use more iodine than men. Why is that? Breast tissue is one of the biggest users of iodine. So fibrocystic breast disease is, is often an iodine deficiency. Heart uses a lot of iodine. The thyroid uses a lot of iodine for the actual tyrosine, for the, the tyrosine and the iodine together to make the thyroxine and levo, the, the, not levo, the triiodothyronine, the T3 and the T4. But breast tissue needs a lot of iodine. Mm. And so lack of that can, could potentially trigger off abnormal cell activity in, in the tissue. Definitely fibrocystic breast disease. Wow. All right, Dr. Alan Lindsley. I know that if I don't stop this now, we're going to be sitting here talking for like... Yeah, we, this has been longer than an hour, hasn't it? Yeah. It's slightly more than an hour because I just don't know where to stop. There's just so much good you stuff. Can, you can chop it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Um, we're going to post the whole thing. Um, where can the listeners find you? So we are redoing our website right now. It's going to be Midwest Natural Healing Center. And we've got a lot of these videos. And we try to take complicated topics and just break them down. Okay. And so that's what we did today. But I usually do a, a whiteboard behind it. So we'll have uh, several hours of videos coming up in December. So if you just Google uh, Lindsay Chiropractic or Midwest Natural Healing Center, I, I think it's going to be .com that should be up and running and then we'll actually be able to correlate some of the cell core stuff on there so i'll be putting protocols on there so patients can not patients but people looking um to be for for help can actually follow some of our protocols that we're suggesting on there because one of the biggest thing is is me being not a lot on virtual but mostly in front it's easy to get uh, in front of people it's easy to get booked out for several months so i'm giving people a place to start Mm-hmm. Just ideas and, and, and concepts and, and a place or a protocol to start with. That sounds awesome. So I'll put that in the show notes so people can see how to spell that out. Um, I'll put both links just in case someone comes across this before the new one's launched. Um, okay. But anyways, I just want to thank you so much again for your time today and all of that research. I mean, I know that's hours and hours and days upon research that you just compiled in <laughs> in this a little over an hour. Yeah, a little over an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you again for coming on the show, Dr. Alan Lindsay. You're welcome. All right. And thank you listeners for watching. It's such a blessing to be able to give you this content every week. And I'm Dr. Jacqueline. I'm here. So, you know, take care. I hope you got a lot of nuggets from that episode. There's just so much to learn as a woman and helping balance our body and, and be able to give life to a newborn and raise these healthy children. And, and then of course we don't want to get wrinkles when we grow old. And a lot of us are losing our mind and we're losing our joints. I mean, there's so much. And then on top of that, then there's weight loss. Have you ever thought about, man, it'd be so much easier to be able to lose weight if I did not crave that cake every day or some other bad thing like cookies, etc. Well, 
we have Gluco Optimizer. So along with your cell core protocol, you can add the Gluco Optimizer in to help balance your blood sugar, help fight those cravings. And you'll see here, there's a lot of other things it does. It protects against heart disease. It helps increase muscle mass. Now, as a woman, you might think, I don't want to have big muscles, but I'm one that doesn't have big muscles and I work out all the time and lift a lot of weight. Lean muscle keeps you thin. So with that and the combination of something like Gluco Optimizer, weight loss is going to be a lot easier nowadays, you guys. All right, ladies, I hope you enjoyed that show again. Go ahead and look, check out Gluco Optimizer so you can optimize your weight loss program. Thank you for listening to the Wellness Trinity Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.